need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. This podcast is one of the most important ones I've ever done. A lot of kids are suffering right now. After two years in a pandemic, these kids are not okay. I say that not to catastrophize, but to encourage you to talk to your kids, to stop jumping back into activity, sports, school, grades, social obligations, and connect with your kids. I think as parents, sometimes we're afraid to open this Pandora's box. We want them to be okay, to be resilient, to just keep going. But the fact is that avoiding taking the time to ask the kids how they're really doing will catch up with you eventually. You cannot out-socialize, out-sports game these feelings. I encourage you to listen today with an open mind and heart. My guest today has really shifted my mindset around my son Landon, who educationally and emotionally does not fit in the perfect box that the world would like to put him in. His ADHD, his introverted extrovert personality, and his physical challenges as a gift and not a label or a limit is the journey I am on now. It's hard when schools are telling you one thing about your kid that you don't necessarily agree with or buy into. I implore you to not only listen to this podcast, but to share it widely as we discuss how to embrace parenting your kids in a more conscious way and how to navigate the realities of where these kids are now, two years after a pandemic. Thank you so much for listening today. Let's get into it. Well, it's that time of year, but you know what? For some people who are going through cancer, it's not the greatest time of year. Cancer is expensive. In honor of my good friend, Lainey, a group of her friends and I have teamed up with the Cancer Cartel to help people with cancer who are struggling to pay their everyday living expenses. This is the time to give. They need your money. They're on the ground now. During this month centered around giving, consider donating to Lainey's Legacy via the Cancer Cartel website at www cancercartel.com. Make your donation today in honor of this wonderful mother and friend. Okay, on the podcast today, Dana Kaplan. Dana Kaplan is an award-winning, retired classroom educator turned lifetime educator for the world. Dana helps children permanently activate their positively powerful voice while guiding and propelling parents on how to release their conscious and subconscious expectations, labels, limits, and biases upon their children and themselves. As an early childhood and social emotional awareness expert, Dana is committed to creating an accessible world for all to feel authentic inclusion and equity in all places and spaces. Welcome to the show, Dana. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. 
And first of all, I full disclosure, Dana and I are like super good friends. So we're we're basically we do what we always do, which is we have deep conversations and shower each other with love. I mean, I literally have the chills right now. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I love you, Dana. Okay. So Dana, you know, you and I met through Tracy Lit. And I was really excited about the work you're doing in the world, especially for parents and kids. But I want to tell the whole story. So tell me what in your childhood or growing up has led you to the work that you're doing now, because you are so passionate about what you do. So it's actually, it's an interesting story that I didn't realize the impact of it until just recently. So I am an educator. I've always wanted to be an educator. My dream was to be a kindergarten teacher with the best clothes. And my dad, (laughs) it really was. It was like, I'm going to be the best best kindergarten teacher in the world. And my dad was like, Dana, first of all, teachers don't make a lot of money. So you got to change that profession. But it didn't stop me because I knew that there was something going on. So I'm from Columbus, Georgia in the deep South. And it's very easy to look at me and say white privilege. But at the end of the day, there was so much anti- Semitism and bigotry that's shown towards me. And I didn't know how to talk about it. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I saw school as a place where I wanted it to be safe, but I didn't really feel safe. And I saw school as a place where I wanted to learn, but my mind would drift off and I couldn't quite figure out like what was happening. And, you know, it's interesting because it's really quick. We're so quick to want to label you know, a child with this, this problem, or, um, you know, put a capstone on another child and say, that's a bully, or they have ADHD or, you know, whatever it is. And what I realized was the labels that were being put on children at the time that I was growing up, it was, it was so fascinating to see how quick the limitations caused anyone from growing further. And so ultimately, long story short, like you would live into those limitations. Yeah. Like you would literally live into limitations. And so I realized throughout, you know, middle school, high school, like I never felt like I belonged. I never felt like I fit in. I always felt like I wasn't smart enough. My siblings were so smart and I couldn't figure out why I was having reading something. Why did I have to read it five times before I actually understood what I was reading? Why did I have to read it out loud? Why was no one helping me the way that I needed help? Why was why weren't questions being asked, you know, and all these assumptions of like what I had to be learning kept being placed upon me. And so I knew even more that I really wanted to become an educator. Fast forward, I go to the University of Wisconsin. It is the top rated education school in the US and I don't get in. Why? Because I'm an exam. So yes, now I have, I'm not smart enough. I have test anxiety. My life is imploding. I'm never going to be all the things that I want to do. And I still want to be the best dress teacher. And so like, I really didn't know what I was going to be doing. And then it hit me. I was like, hold on a second. I have to do things differently. I have to figure out a new way. They're not choosing to interview me. Well, that's one way people can learn about my passions and purpose in the world. They're not asking me to write an essay. That's another way, right? And so I had to really look at what is happening in our current situation, our current learning space, and what can I do differently when I have the opportunity? So fast forward, went to grad school, took my teaching exams and freaked out because I walked out so high on life that I thought I, I was like, this can't be possible. How did I do so well? This is impossible. And I blew them out of the water. And it was one of the most proud days of my life because I was like, hold on a second. All the labels and limits that I've been reinforcing on myself just showed me that it's all BS. Like I don't need to be believing that I'm not a good test taker. I don't need to be believing that I'm not smart, smart enough to be a teacher, that I'm too sensitive and what have you. And so fast forward leaped into teaching, created programs in Atlanta, and then followed my dream of, of wanting to be in New York City. And my principal that hired me uh, said to me, I've never met a more relentless human being in my entire life. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And at first I took it as a negative. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a positive. I am relentless. I won't give up on what I believe in. And so that takes us to where we are today. Me being a retired classroom teacher, yet a, a teacher of the world is because I had to leave the classroom in order to make the massive impact in the world that I want to and that I know can happen. And it's around emotional intelligence. 
It's around creating spaces for kids to learn how they learn instead of being expected to learn in a certain way. It's creating a space for parents to get curious about their kids instead of immediately holding their conscious or unconscious biases. It's creating an opportunity for us to bridge humanity instead of dismantle even more so. And that's where I am right now. It's it's incredible the work. I'm just glad you made it. Because I've got got a son right now who is struggling. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but he's Landon is really struggling right now because he isn't the kind of learner that everyone wants him to be. And, you know, he's, he's struggling right now and I'm watching him go through this and I've talked to you about this, but it is, it is a really, it's a hard journey when you don't fit in the box and you, you can't even for, it's not for lack of trying. That's for sure. And so, yes, we're going to get to that, but you openly and joyfully have embraced your ADHD diagnosis. Landon, my son, who's now 15, has ADHD. I'm curious, how have you come to embrace it and and see it as a positive? It's such a great question, truthfully, because I wasn't diagnosed until just before I left the classroom, which is the irony of like the whole situation. It was probably three weeks prior to me leaving the classroom in 20, June, 2018. And I, my therapist wanted to make sure that my anxiety medicine was all on par. I was having really bad IBS at the time, like really, really bad. And we don't, we take for granted the way that our body responds to stress and the way that our body responds to life. So nonetheless, I go and see the psychiatrist and he's like, tell me about yourself. And I'm telling him, and within like three minutes. He's like, you are classic ADHD. And I was like, I know I tell everyone that all the time. He's like, no, no, no. Like you're classic. He's like, no, you actually have it. (laughs) (laughs) He did. He goes, no, no, no. Like you actually have attention deficit (laughs) hyperness. And he's like going on and on. He's like, but now it's called this. And I was like, listen, dude, I've had enough labels and post-its and limits placed upon me. What else do you think is going to happen now? And so that is why I laugh so much about having ADHD. And I say, I have it. ADHD does not have me. I have ADHD. I get to pick and choose what I want to do with it. And it is my superpower. It is not a default for me not doing work. It is not a default for me not showing up on time. I used to, not for anything. I was late to everything. I mean, even today, Liz, you and I were laughing about, oh my God, I'm so glad you were on time to our podcast, but like the original time, because I was like so caught up into something else I was doing prior. But, you know, it's really interesting because we're so quick to pinpoint and shame, blame, and guilt people because of things that are out of their control. This is a superpower that's out of my control, but I am working with it arduously every single day, right? I now know that I must put a buffer in between when I'm doing podcasts or when I'm meeting with clients or when I you know, want to take a yoga class. I can't think just because the yoga class starts at 5.30 that I'm going to get there at 5.30. I have to make sure that I put some time in there. And so the idea of being able to joyfully embrace myself authentically has been part of the whole journey. And that piece right there is one of the most profound pieces that parents miss, the collective misses. It's, we want everyone to fit into this beautiful box, but what box is that? We were never meant to fit into a box. If you actually think about the uterus, it's squishy and mushy and floaty. And there you go. (laughs) It is squishy and mushy and floaty. Yes. Right. You're floating around the fluidity of life. And, you know, not for anything, if we were to be put into a box, we wouldn't be look, our bodies wouldn't be the shape that we're in. And so we really have to like, if we're going to get down to grassroots and like really look at how to dismantle the labels and how to bring in the joy and how to live authentically, we've got to really look at where's it all coming from. And that that's part of it. And I think, you know, managing your superpower is part of it, right? Like you even mm-hmm. said, like, I have to manage, like n- having the awareness. Okay. Yes, I have this, but it's not my limit. It's my superpower, but it's managing it smartly so that, you know, like, okay, you know, and Landon is still young. He's only 15 and we're working on this obviously, but it is about managing it. So it really becomes your strength versus, yes. you know, and also like you just said, calling it out. Like, yeah, because you consider it a limit and that I'm not maybe doing it your way doesn't mean it's wrong. And and I think there's a, there's a, unfortunately for kids, right? Like it's harder for them to do something like that. That's, that's definitely something you come into as you get older, a little bit, being able to be like, Hey, 
<laughs> I do it different. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Like Landon just was taking his uh, exams, you know, at the end of the year. And he, and listen, I, I know my kid, right? I literally wanted to email these teachers and say, really? Final exam? You know, this boy can't take a test, right? So you want him to take a final exam, which yeah. is like a giant test. You want to take a giant test? That's great. Knew he was going to not do well. He studied and studied. We had a tutor. And, you know, of course, he did not do well on his exams. And the email back was, well, he should just study harder. And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Is that what you think it is? That he's just not studying hard enough? Come on. Well, and and for your audience, this is why Liz will not give me all of their contact information because I would have called them in a hot second over (laughs) winter break. I probably actually knowing me, let me just call a spade a spade. I would have gotten on an airplane, shown up with my bags and been like, let me show you what Landon needs in order to take an exam and you that and you I want. This, yes. And we, you and I, I by the way, I, I've hired Dana actually to help me with my son and he's having a neuropsych eval. So we're having some evaluations done and then we're going to figure out what our game plan is because that's part of the puzzle too, is like what exactly, where, where does whatever deficits or whatever gaps, where do the, where do those lie so that we can fill in the blanks a little bit help him figure out what is the way you learn and is this even the best school for you and all the things. So, yep. yes. So yes, a hundred percent, but I would like to give you their number so you can call them and tell them. I would do it in a heartbeat. Don't, don't <laughs> worry about it. But, but I want to bring something though. I want to highlight as we continue to expect kids to follow suit, these educators and parents do it too. But educators look at kids to validate their teaching, right? If I got an A, that means I'm a great teacher. Right. And the same thing with a parent. If a, if a child goes out into the world and, and, and is kind and compassionate out in the world, then I'm doing a great job as a parent. And so adults are seeking out validation equally as much as kids are. And the, the struggle with that piece is, is that kids, their, their brains haven't developed. Their brains are still developing until they're 25. And if you have ADHD or if you do have any other challenges going on neurologically, then your brain is developing at even a different pace. So I'm just basing this on, you know, a quote unquote normalcy of development. And it's so important that we really stop and think, what is it that this child needs? Because it's not that they're doing something wrong. It's that we are doing something wrong. We are not asking them, does this make sense to you? We are not taking the time to find a new way that is so particular for them. Yes. You know, white, white love service, concierge service. You don't need to be in a private school to do this. And I honestly have the data to show it. After teaching in a classroom in the public schools in New York City for over 16 years, Every single child received white glove services for me in a class of 25 of gifted and talented, which ultimately means they're twice to three times exceptional kids in sitting in my classroom. And if I can give them white glove service in a public school setting, because I'm curious about them, then that we have to take with us everywhere. And it's the curiosity that's missing. And we have to get curious again. A hundred percent. And we're going to even get even deeper into that, but let's talk about, you mentioned labeling and limiting your kids. Okay. And I'm, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about this. How do we keep from labeling and limiting our kids yet addressing their problems? Mm. That's to me, the crux of the, you know, of the issue. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know how I can I don't want to go to sleep on the problems. I don't want to act like they're not there, but I also don't want to label and limit them so that they, you know, feel like again, that they're only going to rise to their label and limit. Absolutely. I think, I think that first of all, it starts with knowing your child, right? Knowing where are their fears, knowing where are their, are their areas of strength. And yes, testing may be involved. You know, we have testing for a reason. Testing is not a bad it is a necessity. It is, we, we wouldn't know, you know, even in Landon's space, we wouldn't know what he actually needs unless he's having all these tests done. Once you get these results back, that's when you really need to sit down and think, okay, where am I as the parent placing labels and limits on my child? Well, now I find out that they've got this diagnosis. So what does that really mean? It comes down to the core of getting curious. Let me actually get curious about what this diagnosis means. Does it mean that he, that my child is going to have 
a brighter window of learning between these hours of the day? Does this mean that my child may need a certain medicine to help them focus and, and thrive during the day? Does it mean that my child may need extra supports and be pulled out of class during the day? Does it mean that my student, that my child is now going off to college and we need to make sure that they know exactly where the various centers are so that they can get the supports they need and build that independence and to build that autonomy and to build that sense of self? Yes. Does it mean that I don't get to go to college? Absolutely not. Does it mean that I don't get to go to a party because um, loud music hurts my ears? No. I get to do everything I want in the world. It's about you as a parent getting curious about your child. And let's just be honest, it's about you getting curious about yourself. What are you afraid of that the world's going to find out about? What are you afraid of that if the world knows that your child has whatever falls underneath a traditional stigma, mine is ADHD, now a speech impediment because I'm wearing Invisalign as I prepare for jaw surgery, like are you not going to be friends with me anymore because I can't say my R's, right? So it's really important that we get curious about where are our limitations and labels that we're putting on our kids and on ourselves. Because ultimately, if we know where the limits and limitations, if we know where the labels and limits came to us, right? For me, it was, you're so sweet. You're too kind. You know, you have to be perfect. Well, so now I know why I'm putting that same on my child. I expect my child to be perfect all the time. I had to be perfect. So now you have to be perfect, right? So if we can actually get curious about where's the root of the label, where's the root of the limit, we stop watering it. Yeah. We can cut it down. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we we talk about being fearful of their authenticity. You've mentioned this and that's a big one because I feel like most adults are fearful sometimes of their authenticity, right? We all just want to kind of fit in. You know, we're like, oh, yep. no. and Landon, especially Landon, it does not like a spotlight. He's not like, oh, no, 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 no attention over here. He doesn't like it. But at mm-hmm. the same time, there's this uniqueness to him. He's so he went to school today in a par- a button up parrot shirt, like a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> like he went to school in that today. Like and, and this is him. Like he's got this funny kind of way about him. Like he actually doesn't care what other people think in, in an amazing way. And, and yet he doesn't want the spotlight. So like, there's a uniqueness to us, but we are sometimes fearful of our children's authenticity. Yes. And I think that piece right there is why it's so essential that we start playing in the playroom instead of waiting until the boardroom. Because if you think about how many times you waited until the boardroom to show up and use your voice, when you really needed to be using it in the playroom and on the playground, that's where the authenticity comes in. That's when we stop and we pause and we pay attention to what the kids are doing because the kids are not okay right now. For Landon to want to be able to walk in and wear this amazing Hawaiian shirt, let him do it. Let him do it. And it has no effect on whether or not he is going to school. He's still going. It has no effect on whether or not he's going to make the basketball team or, you know, go to college. It doesn't matter. And I think, I think at the, at the core, the fear of letting kids authentically show up is stemming from our need to keep up with the Joneses. Like let's call a spade a spade. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We are two years in now. If you are still worrying what the Joneses are thinking about you and your family, we've got bigger fish to fry. hundred percent. 100%, which brings me to the next point, because one of the things you say, and I love when you say this, is stop armoring up around your kids. Oh my God, yes. Tell me me what that means. I remember the first time I saw my dad cry and I thought I was going to like literally pass out, like physically pass out. I didn't know that my dad could cry. I didn't know that that was even an an option. Even as I say that to my throat's on fire, like I did not know. I I can... my uncle passed away. I knew he had passed away. I was in the middle of band class in the sixth grade. I called to, I called my dad at his office. Um, my mom, I knew where my mom was at the hospital with my uncle and everything was status quo, complete status quo, not a change in an octave. Everything is great. Dana, everything is great. I'll see you when I get home from work. And I knew, I knew something was going on. 
So every time we show up with this massive suit of armor on, we are hurting every single person around us. And the person we're hurting the most is ourselves. Because when we crack, people think we're losing it. They think that we're having a mental breakdown. They think that we're, we're going to commit suicide. They think that we're going to just literally lay down in the road and let the, 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 the train run over us. And the more armor we put on in front of children, the less they're ever going to authentically show up. Cry. Let your child see you cry. Scream. One of my favorite, favorite techniques to release energy in your body is to teach parents how to scream. And it's literally walk outside of your house, shut your door and scream as loud as you can. And then you walk back inside and you invite your entire family now to go outside and scream as loud as they can (laughs) with you. No one is a maniac. No one is losing their mind. No one is going insane. You are disarmoring yourself in front of your children. You are showing your child I am a soul within this human body that has feelings and emotions. I don't have to be the emotion. I don't have to stick to the feeling. This is what's happening in the moment. Let me get rid of it so I can move on. But instead, the more we armor up, the more you are bypassing the process of feeling, you're bypassing the opportunities to connect. You are dismantling the bridges of relationships. 100%. And Get rid I, of the armor. hundred percent. And I also think, you know, we're living with, a, you know, a lot of, I'm a recovering neck upper. <laughs> I didn't actually know I had a body or that I was supposed to have feelings and all the things. Like I was just like up here, neck up, intellectually spinning out on like, okay, what do I need to do? What's going on? I was not in touch with how does that feel? Uh, you know, like that's just not something I was raised with. And now, you know, doing all the work I've done and training, you know, to be a, a coach, all the things, and you've done as well. Like we've learned that your body is really important and knowing how you feel, how you feel about things. And even in meditating today, I was like, body comes first, body comes first, your body comes first. I have to remember, I have to remind myself that my body and my feelings come first. And that's something I'm trying to now, you know, also teach the kids. But if you don't give yourself permission, if you're living neck up, where do you think your kids are living or worse? Your kids aren't living neck up. So then every time they cry, every time they get upset, every time they're mad, what do we want to do? Shut that shit down right away. Because we're like, what is that? Like, do not bring that to me. The, the more I've done this work, the more I've realized, oh my gosh, you they have to let that out. They've got to let it out. To. I'm not saying you should let your kid set your house on fire, rage and be <laughs> insane. I'm not saying that. But yeah. I am saying that these kids need outlets to let it go. And, and this brings me to my, my next thing for you, which is you have over 16 years of classroom experience. We've talked about this in teaching leadership. Kids are going through so much right now. This is in essence, like you said, two years of a pandemic. What else collectively have we gone through for two years? Nothing. So here we are in this crazy pandemic Anxiety over being quote unquote back to school and stress is causing these kids to be really mentally unhealthy. So what do we, what can we do? Like, what do these kids, you work with these kids all the time. You see it all the time. What do these kids need most right now? Thank you for asking. And I want to start with dismantling all of societal norms and all of the systemic pressures that have been built up and reinforced for centuries at this point. You know, I I look at it as simple as this. So, you know, right now I'm wearing Invisalign as I prepare to have jaw surgery and I'm going through all these components. Then you put a mask on. Now you can't understand me. So now I don't want to talk at all. So now there's something wrong with me. And now I'm back in school. And you see that girl over there doesn't talk. You have no idea what's going on in their head. You have no idea why they used to be this bubbly, fun, energetic human being. And now all of a sudden with a mask on, they're hiding. We have got to go back down to basics and teach the authentic way of building relationships. It is so critical for us to understand that we are social beings. 
We are meant to be around other people. This entire pandemic was misstated, mis, misquoted, mislabeled. That's the word, labeled, mislabeled. It never should have been called socially distancing. It needed to be called socially gathering and physically distancing because at the core, we have been socially gathering through technology, through Zoom, through other means of connecting. But at the same time, because we kept hearing socially distance, that is exactly what our bodies have been trained to do now. Our minds think we cannot socially be around other people. Our minds no longer understand jokes. Our minds no longer understand body language. Our minds no longer understand that I don't actually want to look you in the eyes. It doesn't mean that I don't like you. And it doesn't mean that I don't respect you. I'm just really uncomfortable right now, right? And so if we could actually take the time to teach how to build relationships again and put all of the quote unquote academics to the side, we would all thrive. We would thrive. We would look at one another and recognize instead of hearing someone say, what's wrong with you? We, we would hear, are you okay? Instead of saying, you did that again, you would hear, do you need some help? It's all in how we're looking at the world and we're choosing to look at it as if everyone is a victim instead of looking at how can we solve our problems yeah. and the problem solving starts with us. It starts with stop focusing on grades. It starts with stop focusing on getting into the next, you know, elitist program or, you know, national sports team. It starts with how am I feeling inside of my body right now? What happened to those friends that I had? Why are we not friends anymore? Why are we disconnected? How do I rebuild those friendships? How do I rebuild my relationship with my parents? Because over, for over the year and a half, they've been fighting so much that I know they're about to tell me they're getting a divorce, right? It's really digging into not just going back to school. It's creating your desired new normal. What is it that you want your new normal to look like? Because the systemic normal doesn't work. It doesn't. So does that involve like asking the kids? Like what, how, what, does, that look, what does that look like practically? So in my ideal situation, um, I love for families to sit down together Sundays or Saturdays and really just check in with each other, like have like an intentional breakfast together or brunch, scratch the soccer game, scratch all the, the socialization going on externally and sit down together as a family, reconnect as a family. What is it that you need to thrive in this family? What is it that you really need from me that I have not been giving you? Maybe it's 30 minutes of a check-in on Wednesday because it seems to me on Wednesdays are your longest days and I never get to see my parents. It's asking your kids, and here's the beauty, is that a two-year-old can let you know what they need as totally. easily as a 75-year-old can let you know what they need. So true. And so it's the simple act of giving time. You know, one of, one of both of our beliefs is I am time. Really believe it, embody it. I am time. Saturday morning, it is family time. It's family time because we are going to each person for a rotation. Everyone's going to get to pick out their favorite breakfast. And we're going to do this on a rotation for a month. And we are going to sit down and talk about our highs and the things that we wish that we could have done differently during the week. And maybe ask for some suggestions or feedback on, on what I can do on Tuesday because something happens on Tuesday and that same thing keeps happening on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go bust. Yeah. Yeah. It's really getting down to how can I create a space that I want to thrive in and how can I create a space for my child to thrive in? Because at the end of the day, children are not asked. We don't ask to be brought into this world. We are created and brought into the world. We are then given, it is our birthright to be treated with respect and dignity and given opportunities to use our voice, to show up authentically, and to take the most fun, joyful risks of our life that bring curiosity and compassion and connectivity. And that only happens when we make that intentional time. And 
if anyone, if any of my clients ever says, Dana, I don't have time to do that every Saturday. You know, we've got X, Y, and Z. I'm like, nope, you don't. You don't. Yeah. You got to prioritize. You chose, you you chose to make a family. You yeah. choose to sit down on Saturday and do this. I'm not asking also, you to do don't that. let the schedule run you. Thank you. And that was my next like, point. Don't let the schedule run you. Like what in the world? Yes. Like, I love when these parents are like, I've got, we've got baseball and a birthday party and, da, 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 and I'm like, or not ask, have you ever asked your kid? Does he even want to go to that stupid party? I don't even know. Like I'm telling you we've, we've gone, we've actually ricocheted back into everything. And now we're like too far in again. Like we're too far in. It's like, we learned nothing, you know, exactly. we, we need to like realize like, is all this activity really doing something? Is it really doing something? I don't no, know if it's doing anything. It's not. And it's actually in full transparency, it's actually exacerbating the problem. Yes. And the reason I know from my own personal professional experiences and my own personal experiences, I've watched how the evolution of my business has gone through COVID. And the one constant is hearing from the children saying, I wish I had my own time. I wish I could just sit. I wish I could just be. I wish I could just read a book without having to it be for my grad class. I wish I could, you know, watch a movie and it's because I don't have to listen. I don't have to read the subtitles because it's not about my French class. It's, you know, it's really getting back down to how do you want to create your new normal? And it is looking at why are you jamming in every single minute of the day? Are you scared of your own life? And that is, that is the question that I ask parents when I have to actually go to them and say, listen, your child has now come to me four times, not doing the work that we've been working on, not moving the needle at all. And the, the points that we came collectively together for, why are you still filling in every moment of their day? Are you scared to be with your child? Are you scared to discover what they may share with you? Well, and I know... I yeah. know that is scary, yeah. but it is even scarier not to know. Yeah. And, and you know what? I consider myself a conscious parent. I do. And I'm sometimes afraid. Like, I'm like, let me fully admit, I am sometimes afraid to open the Pandora's box of what's going on inside my kids. You know, like I'll hear something and I'm like, ooh, what was that? That's probably something I need to dig around in. And it scares me. You know, a couple of times, you know, Coco has said some things that have, that have like, I'm like, uh oh, you know, and you know, I I think parents are a little bit afraid of like what what they're getting into when they start asking their kids and and putting them in that stillness and all the things that come out. Like here we are looking at you know maybe a possible different school change for Landon, and then here comes Coco saying, well maybe maybe I don't know how happy I am either. <gasps> what you told me every day you're happy. You told me all the time you love the school. What are you talking about? That kind of stuff scares parents. But you know what? My feeling is, let's talk about it. Everything's on the table. Yes. Nothing is not on the table. So tell me this, because you've been working with kids a long time. What is the one question parents most want to ask their kids, but they're afraid to ask? Is my child broken? Mm. Is my child damaged? Can they keep up? And even as I say that to you, I, I feel nauseous. Um, I remember the first time a parent asked me that. And um, I immediately saw my four-year-old self. I mean, even now, as I tell you this, I, I still see my four-year-old self holding my hand as I had to be the adult and tell a parent that your child is in kindergarten and they are thriving. And it is a very scary question to receive that in kindergarten, because in kindergarten, that's when I believe it's my passion and soul. It's when kids find their voices. It's when you activate who you are. And if you're already thinking your child is broken at four or five years old, what does that mean when they're 10? And what does that mean when they're 15 or 35? And I say that because I can honestly sit here and tell you that my entire family thinks I am the most misfit of misfits because they see me as this like whimsical being. 
And every time I get a bruise, it's one more knot on my belt of living life. It's one more way of seeing into how I am as a human. And I had one of the most profound conversations um, back in November uh, with, a, with a, a person that I helped to a summit with. And we were talking about how the kids were not okay. And he kept using the word broken with me. And finally, I was like, I, you, you got to stop. You can't say that word no, anymore. we can't. We can't say that word. And, and he was like, but Dana, we do. Let's look at it. And he is actually the man, Rabbi Iggy is the man that helped me look at the word broken and see it as a gift. Mm. Because when broken happens, you get to see light in a new way. So each time you may think your child is broken, it is your job as a parent to see where is the light shining in a new way for you. If you see something damaged, how can you help rebuild it in a new way? Yeah. And that is the, that is the piece. That is the that most is, important And piece. I think that is the hope that parents need, frankly, when you just said that. So it is true. Okay. So you're right. In the brokenness, right? The light sh- shines through the cracks. That is true. And you know what? To know that you can sit with your child, hear what they're saying, take it in. And by the way, you don't have to take it in and take it as I'm the worst parent in the world because my child is really feeling broken right now, or my child is feeling not listened to. And by the way, it's never too late. If your kid is 17, 16, I don't care. You can still do this, but checking in with them and asking them how they are and listening and trying to kind of have the awareness of this is not, this is their unique soul journey. This is their unique time on the planet, this age, this time. And they are on their own path and it's going to be okay, but it's also okay to say things are not okay right now. They're not okay. And the kids are not all right. And it's okay and that to goes, say that. Yeah. And truthfully, sorry for interrupting you, but that goes back to disarmoring. It's okay to say it's, it's, it's safe to not feel amazing all the time. It's safe to be frustrated. It's safe to feel like the world is imploding on you because you think you have a lot going on, but let's really sit and look at and map out what it is that you really have going on so that we can help you pick what's important right now today. So we can help you pick what's important for, for this weekend when we have a lot of time. So we can help you look at your big picture for yourself and know that if you choose to change your mind in six months and you no longer want to be taking this class, you did commit, so you will complete the class, but you don't have to do it again. Yes. And I think that's a really big piece too. I mean, when we, I, I am so quick to think about how frequently kids, you know, kids seek out their parents' validation. You know, I, I mean, even, you know, the other day I was telling my own parents something and I was like, nope, Dana, you're your own validation. You're your own validation. You're your own validation. And like, so true. Only a that matters is yours. Exactly. And I'm having to like drill that in my head as I'm having this conversation. And then when I got off the phone, I was like, I actually need to call them back and let them know they're welcome to share. It doesn't mean I'm going to take it. And it's the same thing for children with parents. Parents, stop looking for your kids' validation that you're doing everything right. If your child tells you they're unhappy, say thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for telling me. Thank if you for child... trusting me and yes. telling me. Thank you for feeling safe. Thank you for feeling safe that I can come, that you, excuse me. Thank you for feeling safe that you can come and share what's going on in your world. Thank you for telling me that you don't want to go to that party and you need a safe word. Thank you. Yeah. Or right? thank, you, thank you for telling me you're, you're overscheduled. You're doing too much. Oh my God. Yes. Do anymore. Thank you for telling me you don't want to play basketball anymore. You're sick of piano, whatever it yes. is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's really important. Now on that same note though, I also want to offer, it's also really important that when kids use the card, I'm overscheduled that they don't choose to go and get on video games all the time, but they actually find a way to decompress and get connected with their body. I do have a lot of clients who are like, I'm so overscheduled. I just want to play video games. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
that's not what life is. I know. And that's you're over scheduled. That's my yeah. son, as you know. <laughs> I'm like, you're over scheduled. You can still play video games for a limited amount of time. Yes. But in that other time, I want you to go sit outside and connect with nature and get on the ground and feel the air whooshing against your face and look at the colors of the leaves and look at the different shards of grass. Like, I want you to really get curious about the world around you so you can then figure out, well, what do I want to do with my time? Right. Instead you're of not going to know that if you're just blah, 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 on the video. Yeah. yeah, you won't discover it. Tell me about how you work with kids in schools and how we can work with you. Because, you know, one of the part, things you do, which I think is so important, is you do kind of an evaluation of the kid and you do, you know, you use all your modalities, you do an evaluation and then people can work with you, you know, monthly, you know, you can also do school things. So tell, tell us a little bit about that before we go into the party time speed round, my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, speed. Um, I love you. Oh my God. Saying speed with anyone that has ADHD is just pure comedy in itself. It's like, I just <laughs> want to like be, I want to be the Tasmanian devil and just like go in circles. Um, yes. Legit. So I am so proud of myself. Thank you, Liz, for encouraging me to, to brag about myself. If you guys are not bragging about yourself, I highly encourage it. It is so empowering to do. I have created programs that I am itching to get into schools. And it's all around building your compassionate culture and building the five C's with Dana. And it starts with curiosity and it ends with confidence. And in between, it's about connection and compassion and courage. And both programs, the beauty of both programs, I use them with children as young as two. And I'm also using them with C-suites to help them build and reconnect with their leadership. So the beauty about the programs, it's all around emotional intelligence. It's all around who am I in this world? How do I want to create the life that I want? And how can I also provide people in my life that same opportunity to thrive? So that's one. And then the other is I love to do, I I lead um, professional development for educators and for um, different teams, depending on what, what's needed. And, and also my favorite is, is the children's workshops um, and to see and help kids activate their voice. Nothing brings me more joy than having a parent tell me that their child won't stop talking and telling them what they need. Um, it is the, the best thing in the world. So you can either work with me one-to-one or in a workshop and, and setting. So there's a myriad of ways that we can work together. And I will put all those links in the show notes too. Yeah. And I will, I will honestly just for a gift for all of your listeners, if you're ever wondering, how do I find the person that is going to be the best fit for my child? Really think about what it is you want for your child, because it's not about what you want and it's not about what you need, but it's what does my child want and need? And will that person be able to, to masterfully teach me how to help my child in that way? 1000%. Okay. It's party time. Oh God. Okay. It's your favorite, the speed round. Okay. Um, I'm really excited to ask you this first question because I already know the answer. (laughs) Okay. What's your word? (laughs) What's because we only text 200 times a day. What's your word for 2022? Well, because I can't just do things the way the boxes want me to fit into. I have two words. It's trailblazer and disruptor. And certainly God bless America. (laughs) You live up to those two things. Okay. Um, what is a mantra or quote you live by? Always remember what you say. It's by my, my Angelou. Always remember what you say because your words impact. I forgot like the whole like actual. Oh, quote, no, no, no. It's, it's not. It's not what you do. It's, it's, it's not what it's you how do. you make somebody feel. It's your words. How you made them help. feel. It's how you yeah. make them feel. Yes. I know. Yeah. That's such a yes. quote. Yeah. Yes. I love my Angelou. By the way, when I was like in my straight senior and high school and like years, I had like a book of my Angelou poems. And I would just literally, when I was like in a bad place, I would just, I'm just going to just go swim around in this my Angelou poem work. Like that. I just like, I love everything that comes out of her. I face. love her. I love, I love her. her. And um, I, I botch up her words, but I know what they mean. So yes. Cool. What makes you feel unstoppable? My work in the world. I am so passionate about making sure that we create a healthy, safe, trusting, thriving world for children to learn. And I, nothing, nothing will ever stop me. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. What are you most proud of? Oh my goodness gracious. Being where I am right now, being where my feet are, 
I know that um, I'm about to get really emotional. I am so grateful. There's so many moments in your life and you're like, this is so amazing. You can't get any better than this. Oh my God, this is so amazing. You can't get any better than this. And I, I'm speechless. Like when I really try and explain it, like it's just to be able to build my own business, to be able to have a vision, to be able to want to help children the way that I help them, to want to be able to help parents and administrators and, and the collective, the collective know that we can do something more, better, different. And again, we're not broken. We just need to find a new way. And that is, and I'm doing it. And I'm just grateful that I'm doing it. You are doing it. You really are. What's exciting you the most right now? Oh my God. I live 10 minutes from the beach. It's so (laughs) much fun. (laughs) Yes. You're always out there. I know. So I just moved to Florida and this is like my big public announcement that I am officially a Delray, Florida native for at least a year, but nonetheless, so I walk to the beach and it's only 10 minutes away. And I tell myself, I'm going to see something different every time. It could be the color of the ocean. It could be how fast and furious the waves are coming in. It could be the catamarans that are going by. It could be how busy the beach is. I don't know, but I'm always curious to know like what's going to be different once I get to the beach. I love it. I love it so much. Well, Dana, thank you so much. I, you know, I adore you personally, but on a professional hiring you level, I'm so so excited that you exist. I've said this so many times. I'm so excited that you exist because as a parent with a kid that does not fit in a box and never has, and we would never want him to fit in one, you give me such a feeling of clarity and hope and you, you, you make me feel like there's a solid foundation when I feel like all the stuff is just like literally like, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, like the floor is coming out from underneath me. <laughs> I have, I've, I've chosen the wrong key on the organ and the, and what, that's not even Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's Goonies, that's Goonies. Okay, whatever. But I've chosen the wrong, okay, fine, Goonies. I've chosen the wrong key on the, on the friggin' piano and now the floor just fell and I'm like, holy shit, I made a wrong choice. And you're over here like, no, it's cool. There's another key over here and this one works and it'll keep the floor for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, Dana. So I just, I just want to say, I'm so grateful for you. I thank you for, you know, being on this journey with me and Landon. And I know you're going to ho- help so many other kids who are struggling, parents who are struggling and open so many eyes to compassionate culture. Thank you. And I want to thank you, Liz, honestly, because for the longest time I thought I was too much and I thought my ideas were too big and that they were too flamboyant. It's people like you and it's people like Landon and it's people like Coco and Brett that just really allow me to show up authentically and know that I am not too much. I'm exactly what I'm supposed to be and I'm doing exactly what I am to be doing. And I thank you for inviting me into your journey because I am the luckiest, the luckiest person to be doing it with you guys. Well, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on. And thank you everyone else for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye, everyone. Bye.